So we have a very special in the reading corner uh, recording today. I'm going to be talking to Sarah Grant, Katia Kane, and Andrew James, who've all been involved in one way or another in the Undiscovered Voices anthology, which is an anthology to highlight the new talent that's coming through in writing for children. It's an important activity because it highlights to publishers the potential new authors that they can be recruiting from. Um, So I'd like to welcome Sarah Grant, first of all. Sarah is on the planning committee for Undiscovered Voices. And I'd like to know from her a little bit about the history of this. Sure. Um, We are really excited about the eight anthology. Undiscovered Voices started as an idea. I worked for a company called Working Partners. Um, and I had a friend also called Sarah O'Connor, and she and I came up with this idea and put to kind of together a package in 2006. Um, and for the first anthology, maybe the first two anthologies, we read all the submissions and we put it all together. And we asked members of SCBWI uh, in originally just in the UK, but then we added the EU. As long as you're a member, there's, there's no entry fee. You can send a 4,000 word extract, um, a small synopsis and a small bio. And we have at least two readers for every submission. And then we pull a list together, have an uh, excellent panel of judges uh, who are editors and agents who ultimately select the 12 that will be in the anthology. And it is available for free to download. And you can read those openings. And I think it's a great um, tool for, for budding writers to look at these. And, and, and there's, the judges' comments are also at the end of every one. So it's saying, here's why we selected it, because we wanted it. Um, as a little bit of a learning tool as well. So it's a really diverse mix of stories. And um, we are, every year we are proud, but we are particularly proud of all these, this wonderful group, because there's just, it's such a diverse mix of stories that I hope people will enjoy. And I hope we will start to see some agents coming, connecting to these writers and hopefully publishing deals. Because we've had, we've had really great success. My friend Sarah and I, when we started, we said what we define as success. And we both agreed that if one person received a contract from the book, we would consider that we had done a really, we'd be really proud of ourselves. And now, I mean, it was in 2008. So how many years later, I think all but two have some sort of book contract or book deal from that first anthology. Well, a fabulous initiative. And uh, for our listeners, just to uh, clarify that SCWBI is the Society of Children's Writers and book illustrators. Yes. So we'll come back to you in a little moment, Sarah, but I want to talk to two of the writers that you have selected and really just to reaffirm what you've said about once you read some of these first chapters, you know, there wasn't enough there for me. I just wanted to keep reading. Can I come to you first, Katia? Tell us a little bit. Your story is called Evolandia. Tell us a little bit, first of all, about your personal journey. When did you start writing for children? I mean, I've always loved English and stories, you know, since I was a kid. Um, But I decided to try to pursue writing as like a serious career about 10 years ago. And the first novel I wrote was definitely the hardest, as well as not being very good, but that's okay. (laughs) So I just kept writing. And I think I've probably written about six or seven novels altogether, probably about half of them for children, almost all fantasy, just I love fantasy. 
And then after a while, I thought maybe I'm good enough to start submitting. So I submitted to agents and I didn't really get very far, but I got some useful feedback and a bit of encouragement, which was great. And I just always had the attitude that it's fine. I might not be good enough now, but if I keep going, I'll just keep getting better and I will get there eventually. Um, And I wrote an early draft of Evolandia in uh, 2020. And I started submitting it to agents in early 2021. And I was like, this is it. This is the book. This is amazing. They are going to be beating down my door for this. And they weren't. And um, all I got was crickets. So that was kind of quite a, a low point. And I really started to question whether I had it or not. But I decided to double down. So I threw everything I had at it. And that's when I joined SCBWI. And that really was a turning point for me, like the courses that they had there. And I learned about Undiscovered Voices and entered that. Um, And I just kept improving the novel and improving it and improving the opening. Uh, And in particular, as I've told Sarah, there was a webinar she did where she gave us an exercise to do on the opening. And I was like, just light bulbs flashing everywhere. Yeah. And then I entered Undiscovered Voices and was lucky enough to be selected. So I feel like, you know, I'm really taking the next steps now. And I'm really I'm just so happy to be here. Uh, The thing that comes through to me from what you're saying is how important resilience is. People may think that this just drops on your doorstep. And that is such an unusual story when that happens. Most people, it's like training. Most people have to work hard at these things. So that really comes through um, in your story there. The other thing that I wanted to ask you is, what was it about this workshop with Sarah that was a light bulb moment? Well, you've got so much to do in the opening pages. It's really hard. And I think a problem that a lot of writers have is trying to explain too much um, and I knew that. And I was like, yeah, but I'm, I'm not doing that. That's fine. And she said, take three markers and highlight exposition, dialogue and action. And I did that. And the one with exposition was just massive. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I really didn't think I was doing that much exposition. So I went through and I just cut loads of that out. And the result was just so much leaner. Tell us a little bit about your story, Eva Landia. Uh, Well, it's about a girl whose sister is kidnapped by an evil chrysalis queen and she has to travel to another universe to save her. The protagonist's name is Luca. Her sister is Zoe. Um, So she's been taken to a world called Evolandia, which is a world filled with creatures from Earth's evolutionary history. And so along with a boy called Carl, she travels through this strange world making uh, unusual allies, solving riddles and battling dangerous creatures. And they travel through lots of interesting places like ancient underwater cities and dinosaur infested plains. Um, And they have to reach the queen uh, in her citadel on the volcano uh, where they have to try to stop her from turning Luca's sister into stone. So the judges commented, well, one of the things that they commented on was your wonderful atmosphere and your ability to contrast that kind of strangeness with the normal. So I'm, as comes across in it, I think I'm fascinated by the natural world. And I'm often watching things about it, thinking this is much weirder than anything anyone could come up with in their imagination. So, you know, the real world is incredibly fascinating and curious. I'm going to bring Andrew in, Andrew James. And Andrew, your story is called Jack Swan's Phoenix Quest. And as Katty has told us a little bit about her story, 
Is yours similar or did you take a different path to coming to write for children? There were definitely parallels there. I think I started, I've always written sort of poetry and short stories. And then about 15 years ago, I decided that novels were really where I wanted to go. And I just dove into the first one. Um, didn't really think about who it was aimed at. It kind of came out with what I think would probably be pictured at commercial women's fiction, just by some bizarre, random, I don't know quite how it happened. Um, and it was really kind of working my way through that and then realising that I'd written an actual novel and finished it, but it wasn't quite right. And, and perhaps needed more thought going into it beforehand. And then looking at the, the fiction that I enjoyed and read and the stories that I loved. And really, I kind of, at that point, recognised that children's fiction was something that I focused on much more in my own reading. I really enjoyed it. I think there's a real freedom to the stories there. I think children are willing to listen to certain aspects of storytelling, whereas adults will want more justification for it being there. And I think sometimes that little bit of freedom just gives a bit more excitement to the story. And I think that's what Kathy has kind of hinted at as well with some of the things she was talking about in terms of fantasy, that children will just accept that certain things are there and, and get the story rather than trying to dissect it in too many ways. So um, it was about, uh, what was it, sort of 10, 11 years ago, I wrote my first book for children. Um, it was absolutely dreadful. It's still dreadful. I gave up editing it about sort of four or five drafts in and moved on to the next one, which I'd finished just as I was doing my MA at um, Goldsmiths in Children's Literature. That one I was actually really proud of, but it just didn't quite have a spark. There wasn't something special enough about it, I think, to make it stand out. And then I wrote another one, which I did for my dissertation for my MA, which I was so proud of. But again, I think it was just maybe a little bit niche. And I got quite disheartened. I actually submitted that to agents last year, but it didn't go anywhere in the end, although I did get some fantastic feedback. And what I kept hearing from agents was they wanted something uniquely familiar or the same but different. And I thought, well, you know, the stories that I love are those kind of adventure stories. Look at things like the Goonies and Indiana Jones. Those are the adventure things I absolutely love. How can I put a different spin on that? And this Jack was born, really. And I felt... The big difference, I think, for this story um, was that I felt I'd found his voice. So I kept hearing people talk about voice and how I can't quite get the voice. And I was thinking, what is this voice that everyone keeps talking about? Where does this voice come from? And then I realised, actually, it was my voice. It's just me. It's an 11-year-old me with um, a 40-year-old sarcasm. And, and then that's, you know, once I'd found the voice, the story kind of ran away with it, really. And I realised that if you look at most stories, you know, they do all fit a model. Um, what we're looking at here is a unique perspective, a unique angle. And so for me, that was bringing in the queer angle with Jack and making Jack gay um, and not making that the focus of the story, but just having it present in the story and just being normalised. Um, and similarly, giving Jack queer parents as well. And again, that not being an issue in the book, it's just an element that's present and keeping that queerness present as well. So bringing in those personal moments for me about my life um, as a queer teacher and, and having those present and bringing in my original voice, that was really kind of what sold Jack to me and why I think it's, it's it's kind of caught the attention I hope at least I hope that comes across it's first person isn't it yes absolutely first person yeah I feel very comfortable in first person there is still a voice in a third person piece of writing I just wondered whether it was easier for you to find it through first person writing I think they've both got enormous challenges and I get I think that comes down to just crafting and crafting again and again um, I mean Jack's changed a lot since the extract has been published in the anthology you know that's also been developed since 
Um, the, the piece that I'd previously written for my MA, which was called The Rain House, it was close third person. Um, so again, it was very much the narrator's voice, but very, very much inside the, 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 you know, the character's head. And I think every angle has got its own challenges. But I did find, I think once I'd realised the voice was me, <laughs> it kind of made it a lot easier, if that makes sense. I think something that's come through from listening to both you and Katya is about this personal connection. Don't fight who you are. You know, you've got to find a way of making that the thing that comes through in your story, regardless of what the industry is telling you it wants, because sometimes they don't know until they see it. Sarah, would you agree with that? I think that's true. I I, had a story with an agent's party where an agent said, do not send me X. And then a writer went up to her and said, yeah, I'm not going to send this to you, but here's this. And she's like, no, I love it. And it's ended up published. And often I'll say things like, I remember in one of the first anthologies, I'm like, "Mm, zombie stories, that's not really my thing. And then um, we had a zombie story and I just absolutely loved it. The voice and it was funny and it was all kinds of things that I didn't expect. But absolutely 100% it's what you said. You read 270 submissions and then there's just some where the voices stay in your head. I remember with Katja, you know, it was at the Natural History Museum and um, she's polishing the specimen bell. It's not Katya, but her main character is. And there's just an atmosphere and a humor and a quirkiness there that just from the moment you read it, it's right there. And I was like, mm, yes, absolutely. And Andrew, like you said, the voice, the funny. I think if it's funny, it does stand out a little bit. It's because it's a rare thing to be able to get that humor. And Andrew's voice is, yes, sarcastic and funny and lovely. And, you know, with both characters, you think, I'll go to the end of the earth with both of you, you know. I have to say that that's one of the joys of reviewing books as well, that you read outside of your comfort zone and then you discover actually that you don't just want the same thing all the time. You do want something fresh and uh, lively and interesting. And I want to just ask both Andrew and Katia, so maybe Katia first, obviously to be entered into Undiscovered Voices, you, you are a member of SCWBI. What has that as an organisation done for you? There's a few things. So the courses were really important. I had done a lot of reading um, about the craft. I learned all about structure. I could tell you the hero's journey backwards. Um, but I'd reached a certain level, like there was a certain level I'd reached that I could get from things online or in books. And the courses with actual published authors and the hints that they gave you and things like seeing their processes and seeing the, you know, all the books that they had with like 100 post-it notes and all the notes in them and going, okay, that's really interesting. So that from the craft point of view was really important. Um, But also it's, as people often say, writing is really lonely a lot of the time. And a lot of us are in a bubble for quite a while, just um, writing alone. And so meeting other people who were in the same boat and being able to share your stories and find out yes everyone else has also you know experienced the same thing that really that made a really huge difference. Andrew is there a business element to this as well? Yeah definitely I mean you have to be smart about this you are approaching it as a job you have to you know yes we're creatives and we love to live in that fun bubbly world where we can write stories and tell lies but ultimately you have to be professional um, and that's one of the brilliant things about the SCBWI, and I don't want to sound like I'm trying to sell it because I don't think I need to actually, it's huge already, is that they do look at the pragmatics of that as well. But um, I think 
when we were narrowed down to the, the short list and then the long list, uh, we, we had um, a workshop day as well that we did in January with the 12 of us. And uh, that was that was a big part of the focus of that day, actually, was the business aspect here of how do we market ourselves? How do we manage and utilize this opportunity that we're being given? Because it is a, it's a very unique opportunity. And I think um, if you don't approach the industry as a business, then you're actually really um, hindering yourself and your chances. There is an etiquette to doing this and you need to learn how to do it, whether you, whether you care for it or not. You know, it's, it's just the way the industry works. And I think the 12 of us, you know, is something we speak about quite a lot in the WhatsApp group as well, Katia, isn't it? You know, we're kind of talking about how we approach people and things like that. So you have to be smart. And I found um, the entire process actually from being shortlisted to longlisted, sorry, longlisted to shortlisted and, and, and then going through to the publication of the anthology. And there's been a huge focus on that for us to kind of introduce us as new professionals, I suppose, within the industry. You used a phrase there which I thought was quite interesting. You said how to market yourself, not how to market my book, how to market myself. Do you think there is an element of a package that people are looking for? It's not just the book on its own. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's widely known now that publishers really want to invest in authors. So, you know, typically I think a lot of authors will get a two-book deal and really that's an opportunity for you to prove to that publisher that you can be a brand as such you know and you can find a readership and you can meet the needs of that readership and be successful with it you know the book is going to change every time you release one but you're the consistent factor so you've got to have something there that readers can connect to about you as well I think definitely and if you look at a lot of children's authors personal websites which i do all the time i'm sure kathy does constantly and sarah does what well, i'm sure you do um you know they often have their quirky little bios and bits of information about them and their interests and you know it's really important that children and child readers and and readers of any age can connect with them on a personal level so there's definitely something about you that i think you have to be able to sell a little bit of as well yeah absolutely especially when it's children's readers as well i think if you are going to be successful you're going to be going in schools you're going to be doing library events um and you have to be able to or you don't have to be able to but I think it's useful if you can also um, have those sort of personable skills and and kind of uh, be interesting as well in some way. I want to come back to Katia the scheme also has you working with mentors doesn't it Uh, are those mentors matched one-to-one and who did you work with? Uh, Yeah so they're one-to-one and they are I think alumni from all of the anthologies And I was really lucky because I got Annalise Avery, who is basically a powerhouse. And I think she was only in the previous anthology, um, but she's already her first book's published. And, yeah, she's been really helpful, really wonderful, um, offering to help look over my synopsis and just be supportive. And um, I I work really well when I've got someone breathing down my neck. (laughs) So um, she offered to be that person and say, right, I'm going to email you on this day and you better tell me that you've, you know, achieved the goal that you said you were going to. So that's that's been really helpful as well. Sarah, I just want to come back to you. You mentioned earlier that you've had great success with uh, Undiscovered Voices and, and only two that to date have not yet managed to secure publication deals, which is an amazing success, actually. I suppose what I want to ask you is what um, advice you would give to some of our listeners who may well also be aspiring children's writers. How should they get involved with you? I think, you know, Andrew and Katya are perfect examples, and I'm the same, is, is you just, it's tenacity. 
and I think sticking with it, being able to get, you know, rejections and kickback and feedback and, and pick yourself up and move on. If you love it, never stop learning, taking classes. I think SCBWI is these two demonstrate. And, and I'm also wouldn't be published if it wasn't for the support and the learning and the friendships and all that I got from SCBWI. And also being able to say goodbye to an apprentice piece. And that's a hard thing. If you spent five years on a story to say, I'm going to set this aside for now. Um, because I do think we, as writers, we all need those pieces that we learn from. Um, and then every book is different. And one thing we talked to our lovely Undiscovered Voices writers about is, you know, you've written the first book and it's taken you five years or two years or 10 years or whatever it's taken. And if you get a publishing deal, the publisher's going to say, you've got nine months or you've got a year. Um, and then writing that second book is, uh, is a different challenge. So it's kind of just continuing to evolve. Um, but voice, I mean, I think Katja and, and Andrew said it as well, but voice really is what, as a reader, we strive for and we look for and that lingers with us, like you talked about, kind of stays in our mind and pokes us from time to time. And I, I, James Scott Bell, I don't know if it's somebody you've come across, James Scott Bell is an American and he writes a lot of books on writing. And there's, he has a book on voice, which I think is the best thing I have ever read. And it's, it's um, I'm reaching up to get it from my bookshelf. It's a very, very thin novel and it's called The Secret Power of Great Writing. That was really one of the best books about voice that I ever read that didn't just say, I know it when I hear it. It actually gives you um, some things to do and ways to look at your writing. Thank you, Sarah. I've also got on my desk, and I'm looking for a very thin uh, book by um, Alvarez called The Narrator's Voice. Um, that's one that I keep very thin, almost pamphlet size, but I keep by um, close to me on, on my desk. So I would like to thank you very much for joining me today, Sarah. Katya and Andrew, and for giving us an insight into what Undiscovered Voices is all about. And especially Katya and Andrew, wishing you all the success as this um, anthology gets distributed and uh, people start downloading it, which they can do from the website. And I can't wait until your books are published. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. If you would like to find out about other events and courses, visit justimagine.co.uk. Join us again in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.